0: Welcome to the Blind Apex Podcast, where amateur
1: club racers tune in to get faster. I'm your host, Con John Turk, and on this episode of the Blind Apex Podcast, we're talking carts and not the carts that you drive around at the beach on vacation. Joining me, proud dad. Wakeboard nerd, NASA announcer and racer, reformed DSM driver DJ Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the show, man.
0: Thank you, Con. I uh, was looking forward to this. Um, I even like the term "blind apex" um, from from my history of racing. Those are my favorite corners. So, uh, really looking forward to expanding upon that and uh, talking about my introduction to karting, which is brief in the past couple of years but i've learned a lot yeah um
1: you know just for full clarity you and i are both were our what i don't know how we say it members of madison motorsports we went to the the university uh james madison university and that's how we know each other um and we both run in the mid-atlantic region so dj give us your background on on your racing exactly what are you uh racing these days
0: so uh yeah i'm 36 years old at this point and i've been doing some sort of motorsports competition since i was 17 so about 19 years i uh was a Member of, uh, yeah, the Fast and Furious fan club in high school, basically. Uh, I had a Mitsubishi Eclipse non-turbo automatic, um, which I thought was amazing at the time. And uh, a friend with a... Uh, some friends wanted to take me to an autocross. And I went to it for the first time and I fell in love. And from then on, I spent the next four to five years from 17 to basically 22, 23, doing about 30 odd automotive events a year, mostly in autocross, because that's what I could afford at the time. And uh, I got introduced to Madison Motorsports through JMU when I joined, and they got me down the path of big track racing. So I joined up with Madison Motorsports. We have a very tight connection with NASA Mid Atlantic, um, which I I believe you've uh, interviewed with both Chris Cabello and his son uh, with NASA Mid Atlantic, and uh, that close knit tie with Madison Motorsports. I started racing after I got out of college. Um, that's really when you know you have a bit more disposable income. Uh, I did well in both uh, time trial and racing. I. Stuck mostly with BMWs because I do like to tinker. And this is kind of where you'll see also moving into karting uh, is I just like working on things. And so I was drawn to the builder classes with my own racing uh, German touring series. I ran an E36 for a very long time, was very successful in that and ran Spec E46 uh, Spec Miata for a very brief time. And you know, we can kind of go into a little bit later Spec Miata and, and karting because a lot of people draw parallels with Spec Miata and karting. And I, I'd like to dispel a couple things. I think uh, people closely relate those too much and I'll explain a little bit later why. But I had my two boys uh, right as I got into uh, Spec Miata. And the, <laughs> the 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 idea was that I would be working on the car less uh versus the builder series, uh, but the body shop work was <laughs> a lot more. And so I took a uh a, a brief recluse from that and uh here I am about three, four years later, and I bought another race car and that will <laughs> another <BMW. laughs> I will be back out on the Yes, another BMW, a a builder class again, yet despite having a four and six-year-old.
1: That'll be okay. You've been training them to use the jacks and all that stuff, so they'll be pit crew in no time. It'll be easy.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how we can be so passionate about a a motorsport and your kid doesn't care.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, at least Eli cares, right? He's karting these days, so... Um, he sort of, maybe he doesn't care about what you're doing, but he wants to do it himself, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my, my oldest son, really the karting starts, um, I moved down to Mooresville, North Carolina uh, about six years ago, uh, race city, USA, NASCAR and they have a facility. Yeah. And they have race city, uh, I'm sorry. They have a facility called GoPro Motorplex, which is now known as Trackhouse Motorplex, uh, which is actually one of the premier go kart facility, outdoor go kart facilities in the U.S. They host national events there for karting as well. Um, so you've got a mix of what we call owner carts. That is, you own your own cart, you run your own cart and rental carts. And. So I kind of got exposed to that by running a couple rental leagues, and yeah, you know, I as a motorsports enthusiast and driver got used to rental carts. You show up to your your local small rental track, and you know you can get pretty close to top time of the week, top time of the month, first time out there. And I went to my first rental league at, at Trackhouse Motorplex, and I qualified 18th out of 22 so <laughs> it was a um it was a rude awakening and it it spirals into the very uh depth of karting is a very different sport than uh car racing itself and so that's that was a rude awakening and I did that for about 2 3 years and I grew camaraderie just like any type of racing you make a bunch of friends and it's a it's a lot of fun. And so I started to get good at rental leagues. Um, but at the end of the day, you're exposed to a lot more inconsistencies in the field. As with any sport, as a driver, you want to level the playing field so that your driving is doing the talk. And right. those rental carts, uh, you, you you could uh, run into a cart that was two to three seconds a lap slower. I, uh, I was doing a rental enduro with some friends. And so how they set up these rental enduros is you have to pit stop for carts. And sometimes they break up the enduros where they have a two hour section, then another two hour section and then another two hour section. Mm -hmm. And so we were up an entire lap and we caught a bad cart. And you know what? That's the luck of the draw. That cart was three seconds a lap slower than our previous cart, and we just struggled. Are you our main goal during those two hours was to stay on the lead lap?
1: Are you rotating? So like the two hours was over, and then you go to the cart behind you, or random draw, and then you 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 guys manage your driver lineup, but they're handing out the carts. Right? Is that the way I understand it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these rental Enduros, they run a couple different ways, but this one was two hour stints in terms of that was the cart that you had to run for two hours. Um, we rotated between our drivers, as you said, uh, anybody that's been in a cart knows how physically intense rental cart racing, uh, cart racing in general is. And, uh, Yeah, Con, I believe you've ran a couple, uh, you know, rental cart uh, enduros with Madison Motorsports itself. And, you know, you're pretty wiped after 10, 20 minutes in a cart if you're not used to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I I was exposed to carts when I was a teenager. Um, I had an exchange student from Brazil stay with us for several years. And then finally, I went to go visit them and uh our exchange student's fiance now husband raced carts in brazil so in brazil you either play soccer or race cars those are their two national sports and he just threw me in his backup cart uh back then and it was essentially like a rental because i hadn't i wasn't doing anything i would put my suit and helmet on and drive that was it,
0: it everywhere else in the world karting is just so much more of a mainstay than here in the U.S. The U.S. is getting a larger karting interest. It, it, the, the sport is growing, right? You know, despite the end of motorsports is nigh with uh, electric cars, uh, karting is growing. F1 has renewed some interest in it, and uh, the fields seem to be getting bigger. And unfortunately, so does the the cost. <laughs> we'll get into that, <laughs> oh, but that great. yeah yeah, the, this F1 Boon is actually really, you know, really showing some interest in the sport.
1: Yeah. So, um, so you've done rentals. I'm assuming since you like builder grade race cars, like to build your own and builder classes, you own your own cart now.
0: Yeah. So, you know, two, three years of uh, running a rental cart and, you, know, you you start talking to other people and most of these guys that are running these really tough rental leagues also own their own carts. So they're kind of just doing these rental leagues to, you know, fill in the blanks here on, on weekdays. And I picked up uh, a cart that was used from a friend and tried it out. And I thought I was high on life. My first day testing Friday went really well. My, um, My times were super competitive. I thought, okay, here we go. You know, first time in these, I'm going to be able to at least be more competitive than I was the first time in rental cars. And then everybody throws on new tires and puts on their setup and you realize you're at the back of the (laughs) pack.
1: For people who don't know, DJ's generally considered pretty fast. So when when he's in the back, he's probably not very happy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, well, one of the things I learned was how physically intense owner carts are. And I the best way to illustrate this to somebody is there is a turn at Trackhouse Motorplex called Turn 4. And it's a very long 180 degrees sweeper. And these carts only weigh about 150 to 170 pounds themselves. For perspective, a rental cart runs between 350 and 500 pounds. Oh, wow. So you're talking about a cart. (laughs) Yeah. So you're talking about a cart two, three, 400 pounds less than what you're doing at your little, uh, at at a local rental cart track. And then you've got significantly more grippy tires. And so around this turn four long sweeper, you can, do a sustained almost two G's all the way around the sweeper. And it's lasting for multiple seconds. And it is, it wiped me and I was exhausted on Friday. And by Saturday that came around to actually qualify race, I had no body left in me. My muscles were spent. I was gripping the wheel like I was my first time in a race car. Yeah, gorilla hands, <laughs> and, man. Oh, absolutely. And uh much to my wife's chagrin, they had to pull me out of the cart at the end of the race. <laughs> I had I I could not physically get out of the cart at the end of the race. And so I pushed myself a little too far, too fast on that one. Um, so, a little advice to anybody getting into these carts is give yourself a couple days between your first practice and your first race. Uh, you you're going to need time to recover. And uh, so that was that was my introduction. And I actually took a step back from owner carts at that point because I i had to stay in bed for the next 3 days oh, wow. and i worked from bed for the next 3 days and my wife was not happy at all um taking care of kids and and everything but for at the end of the day you know racing you have to have supportive people around you and the one thing i can say is my wife is extremely supportive so Despite my setback about two and a half years ago, here I am doing owner cart racing uh, in what's called Briggs to L O two O six. Go. What is L O two O six? So this is basically a motor created by Briggs and Stratton. Yes, that lawnmower one guys. that powers all your lawnmowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Maybe you're. Maybe you have a fancy uh, weed whacker. Yeah, Briggs and Stratton. Those motors are what powers my owner cart. The, it's considered the introduction into owner carts, um, and, and I hate to say introduction because some of the best racing will happen in LO two hundred six. It's it's a about an eight to nine horsepower, uh, depending on what you believe from some of these engine builders. Mm-hmm. And there are engine builders, you know, talk about spec Miata. Yeah, you know, there, there is a link there. You've got low horsepower motor being built and a lot of money being spent into these motors, uh, to make another 0.3, 0.4, 0.5 horsepower. Um, not quite the, maybe one horsepower, some claim. Um, but at the end of the day, it produces pretty even racing once you buy into it and, you know, the high grip with these carts being so low weight makes it a monstrous challenge. And that's where I am currently. I've run a lo 206 and then there's about, you know, the interesting thing about owner cart racing is there is a motor for everyone in there. We have everything from, you know, what you would consider uh, the slower class, which is that Briggs lo 206 uh, to you have KA motors and X thirty motors, and th- and this is specifically referencing my local track track house. Uh, the Euro- Europe has much different motors as well. You know KZ motors, um, but what you will find in karting in the U.S. is really a split between these Briggs motors, mm-hmm. which are also can be converted to call Predator motors, and they all make eight to 10 horsepower, and they're all four strokes. And then you have what's called the two strokes. And, you know, the name implies they're, they're two strokes. And you have your major players. You have Rotax, IME. Um, those are the two big players in the US. Uh, you have a couple uh, more in Europe that are smaller, uh, but typically IME and, and Rotax really dominate the market. And those can make anywhere from, you know, K makes about 20, 22 horsepower to, you know, hotted up X-30s, you know, 30 to 35 horsepower. And and then even above that, you're, you're talking about shifter carts here yeah. um, that, you know, you can go as high as you want if you really want to go crazy. Um, I will say that, you know, even the X-30, which is not a shifter cart, has about the same horsepower to weight ratio as a C6-Z06, which is, you know, a 500 wheel horsepower, you know, 3,200 pound car. So they boogie. And if you're on something that weighs, you know, they're a little bit heavier, they're, you know, 170, 190 pounds. You're on something that weighs 170, 190 pounds. It's making, you know, 30 to 35 horsepower. And it's, uh, it, it's mind defying the first couple of times, uh, in one of those.
1: Yeah. And no suspension. So it's, it's tires and your body absorb those G forces, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, I, I will say, um, that is the safety aspect of carting is quite interesting. Yeah. If you jump into a rental cart, you've got a, uh, four point harness and and you're all strapped in all these owner carts there is there are no seat belts there are no safety devices really at the end of the day you're talking about some armor for your vest and your back that protect your ribs Mm -hmm. um and most of that protection for your ribs is is really a lot of g-forces and side-to-side contact it's not really made for you know if you go flying out of a cart or or go upside down. And as an outsider to karting uh, in the beginning, upside down carts sounds absolutely insane. Uh, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it happens uh, more than I would have expected. The,
1: yeah, I, I mean, I see those videos, you know, where they have the crash and they're upside down or in a barrier, or two guys get tangled. And, you know, they're flying in two different directions and their carts are chasing them in the air. And I'm like, man, that's got to hurt.
0: Yeah, one of uh, one of my uh, friends that introduced me to owner cart racing, he was uh, coming out of that turn four, that long sweeper I was talking about at Track House. And uh, he just got caught up with someone. He got flung upside down on top of the barriers. Um, and this is in that Briggs, the low horsepower, eight to nine horsepower class. Um, so it can happen in any of them. And, you know, in fact. For parents looking at karting as an avenue, as, as a sport, which I fully, fully suggest, and I'll get into this in a little bit. But, you know, one of our first races, there was a kid kart that ended up on on uh, on top of the child at the end of the day. And we're, we're talking kick carts five to seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it can be a very dangerous sport even at a very early age. I mean, it's, they're not tech. Are they
1: technically open wheel? I mean, they're semi covered. They're open on the top, right?
0: Cause you have bumpers and. Yeah. I mean, or- you have to kind of consider it almost the, the owner carts are almost open wheel. We've got these little side pods right. uh, with plastic and The front bumpers are plastic, but yeah, that that's what causes those flips and being upside down is, and, and big changes in movement of cart is when those tires contact and it just throws the cart. And so, you know, you look at, you know, F1 and you see, Oh, you know, a little side to side contact in these closed wheels, you know, close 10 top cars is, oh, that's part of racing. That can turn pretty dangerous quickly in in karting, but enough of the danger aspect. (laughs) It is exhilarating. Um, In an X-30 at track house, you're doing 72, 74 miles per hour down that back street, half an inch from the ground because ground clearance is non-existent on these cards. And it is you're going to learn everything from the low horsepower classes where it's really about conserving momentum and freeing up a cart to a, an X 30 and higher horsepower carts where you can, you can light up the tires at will, uh, mid corner. And you're talking about so much grip in these carts and you're still able to light up the tires, you know, mid corner all the way to exit, pull in very high G forces. Uh, so, it's absolutely a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So before we get too deep into the fun and not to be the scary safety thing, but what, what are you wearing? Uh, and what equipment when you go to an owner cart, are you going to buy for yourself?
0: So I will have to plug OG racing here. Uh, they supplied me my safety equipment for, uh, 20 years now, basically. Yep. Um, and, you know, ever since I was, I was even 17 and had to get my first helmet. Um, they've equipped me for carting as well. So you've got your helmet, you know, your single most important part of your body, right? Is your helmet. So I always encourage people get the nicest helmet that you can afford. If it's, oh, those fancy gloves with names on it or getting a higher end helmet, get a higher end helmet. They, it is worth every penny, you know, and that, and that's what really matters at the end of the day. And with karting as well is what you don't realize when you're in a loud race car and in karting is just how much damage you're doing to your ears. Um, yeah, I, I have to laugh is, uh, I owned an RX seven, uh, champ car team, uh, with some friends and I went out with my lower end bell helmet. Um, nothing wrong with bell. They have very good high end helmets as well, but I bought it, you know, $250 helmet as with most people who just get started in the sport And my ears were ringing for two to three days after that event. You don't wear earplugs. And and that was really bad. I do not. And so I'll tell you why is I switched to a helmet that has built-in ear cups. So I'm currently running a Stilo. And I, I can't suggest them enough. I, you know, I OG racing carries Stilo as well now and they have built in ear cups which dramatically reduce the noise and i found ear plugs when you're throwing on your helmet even with a baklava on top and you know you're still just it, it can pop out during a race it works itself loose you have weird ears maybe that's my problem uh but ear cups just work every time you slide them over And they cut out the noise immensely. So uh, that's my big plug right now for expensive helmets is get something that's going to protect your hearing and your noggin. Because that's really the most important piece at the end of the day. For
1: carts and race Um, cars.
0: Yeah. Con, what what helmet do you run? Uh, That
1: $250 Bell. And I run (laughs) earplugs because my car revs in 9,000 and does not have a muffler. So,
0: yes. Well, you know, I will still plug away and say, look at a higher end helmet. You know, the they hold up longer too, as well. You know, I when I got first got my helmet, I paid a thousand dollars for that Stilo. I that that credit card burned real hot right then that month. Um, But you know what is, I've had mine for almost. Seven years now, Mm -hmm. and the fabric isn't falling out. The fabric is still perfect. The cups still work. You know, there's a little bit of cracking around the rubber on the cups. Um, But I use this for both racing and kart racing, or car racing and kart racing. So I can't fault it at all. It has been through an immense amount. And my belt cheap helmet uh, yeah it it's starting to lose you know it's padding around the two three year mark, and you know, I used it pretty, you know, as i said thirty thirty some odd events a year I was doing, and uh you know this stilo is holding up longer, so really in effectiveness, it's not costing me much more
1: yeah i I think I'm on my second one, so you know now you're talking five hundred in, and you know, who knows. We still have what, a couple more years before they go bad. Is it going to be twenty twenty five before they go bad? So,
0: yeah, it's always a year after that too, right? right. So, yeah, so yeah, twenty twenty six. Yeah,
1: twenty twenty six. It might be. I might have to spend seven hundred fifty bucks. You know, in two hundred fifty dollar helmets at that point. You know, it it does. It does make sense to probably buy a more expensive one but i was just trying to make comp school and so i went down the cheap route so uh,
0: exactly and and that's it, there's nothing wrong with it but after you've gone through that first point i i highly suggest I, you won't regret it every time i've been able to upsell somebody on one of these you would think i have a uh, stock in uh uh helmet companies is how much i push the higher end uh, helmets um, is just protect your ears, protect your noggin, um, and then your helmet or your your neck, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I started with a, a foam neck brace on on both me and my son. My son is, you know, he started in karting at four; he's six now, and I watched him as he spun in a corner and backed into a barrier, and saw his neck go flying back on those foam foam necks and you know with karting you you, there's not as many avenues you don't have a hans device in a cart. you know you're not strapped into a cart. uh the very next day i went and found the very best uh as far as i could research neck restraint system uh for karting And, and honestly motocross has uh been a a huge boon to that because i will tell you carters don't really like neck braces which is absolutely insane because they think it limits their ability to turn around see where other drivers are and uh you know my my buddy that went upside down on top of a barrier his neck was hurting for quite a long time and he was not wearing a neck brace and uh just makes it again one of those times where a couple extra dollars is it's painful up front but you know once once you invest in safety equipment it does last you a lot longer than you think it will
1: i mean yeah even in my race car like i bought a nice seat you know not the budget seats you know just to pass i bought nice harnesses so you know i have nice shoes now now i need to work on my suit and my helmet so
0: yeah absolutely I mean I know you know uh, my past history in cars I've been on my lid in, uh, in, in a tin top car as well
1: <laughs> yes
0: yes you have and so I uh, yeah that's uh, uh, safety is pretty important but yet I still do all these sports um, I question myself sometimes but uh, I, I love it and anybody else that you know yeah they get Chills on their body when they hear old F one sounds, or you know a V eight Camaro firing up. It, you know if, if you get those chills, are a you know a K twenty four at full song. Uh, that if you get those, you know if your hair stand on up, you know on, on your arm, you're going to be out doing these these sports, and so you got to protect yourself.
1: Yep. So so we got the helmet and uh, some sort of neck device. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Motocross ha- has developed that Alpine stars okay. has, um, they're not attached to the helmet. Like you see in a Hans device, uh, really they're just trying to to prevent as much uh, movement uh, forward and backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got my six year old here with a, uh, you know, vest and chest protector on with a, you know, this big motocross uh, helmet, neck brace and, and going, walking down. And, you know, he, he's a bit of a bigger boy. He's uh, he, he's almost 60 pounds now. And at six years old, uh, he, he might not have uh, the the burgeoning karting career uh, because he's already overweight, but maybe that'll make him push harder.
1: Yeah, uh, not everybody can be little pencils and stuff. So, don't don't knock it. Let him still have fun. Let him develop some skills. Don't don't pull him out of it just cuz he's uh thick today. You never know. He could grow into it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I have a huge smile on my face. So, a little context is uh my my older son when he was 4 years old, we we started him in karting cuz I think the engineering and the work ethic that needs to go into a hobby for, for most of us. This is a hobby. This is not going to be a paying career. This is not even going to pay for a side hustle. Yeah. I know, I know we love our side hustles, but th- this is a hobby for most of us. And it, it has so much work ethic that you have to put into it. Um, and that's, that's what I wanted my son to know. I want him to know work ethic. And what he puts into it is what he's going to get out of it. You know, he may be at the top of his class for weight, a little bit overweight. But what you'll find in karting and, and car racing in general is just that, that determination. You know, I love watching all these documentaries of race car drivers. A lot of them had natural talent. But if, uh, Con, have you... Heard of the new NASCAR series on Netflix. Uh, it's kind of a Drive to Survive kickoff.
1: Yeah, I I was uh, listening to Danny Hamlin's podcast and he was mentioning it because I think they were following him for a little bit and a couple other drivers. So
0: Yeah, he spoke on how he didn't have or he felt like he didn't have the natural talent uh, that maybe many other drivers had in his class. And so he had to put more effort and more time into it. And, you know, the results speak for themselves. You know, I know he's chasing that elusive championship, but that he got to the highest form of circle track racing in the U S and, and many consider, you know, the highest racing in the U S um, that's all subjective, right? We, you know, I personally love IMSA and, F one and I'm loving NASCAR too. I'm down here in NASCAR country and now they're doing some road course racing and you know, it, it all takes skill. At the end of the day, all of this takes a lot of effort and skill.
1: You better love NASCAR. You're racing at track house carding complex. Come on now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You're it's, gonna uh, run into him. Yeah, in, you're gonna
1: run into Suarez and Chastain down there, I'm sure.
0: I, I believe um, it, one of the big driver, uh, Kyle Larson, actually lives uh, probably a tenth of a mile down the road outside of my neighborhood. Um, so it's very much uh, ingrained down here. Everybody's down past Kyle Busch Motorsports. Every time I'm driving to the go-kart track, you're, you're driving past Multimatic down here in Warsville. Uh, so you got a lot of used NASCAR shops, which comes in handy in uh builder class for cars. Yeah, I, I, could,
1: I could imagine you can get all, all the tricks. I'm sure there's some retired, uh, you know, crew chiefs that would like to teach you a thing or two about, uh, circumventing the rules.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I, um, yeah. One of my. Uh, neighbors in an old neighborhood from where I just moved to. I'm talking to him nonchalantly. He saw my car, my race car, so he kind of walked up to my garage, started talking, and turns out he was a, a crew chief uh, for Le Mans 24-hour race. You know, these are regular people. These are their careers. This is their normal thing, but, you know, for those of us who didn't grow up in the middle of Mordo Sports Capital, it's just amazing to really realize all these guys is they just went and did it. And, you know, instead of getting an IT degree and going into consulting or government consulting, as we like to look at Washington, D.C., they went into motorsports. And it's really cool. Yeah.
1: So getting back a little bit on track, um, you talked about uh, your son wearing a chest protector and rib protector. So like a vest setup. Is that... I'm I'm assuming there's a suit also involved and every time I'm cruising OG's website it I have to filter by go-kart shoes or non-go-kart shoes. So what's the difference in that type of equipment like the suit, the shoes, the gloves, those kind of things?
0: Yeah, so uh if we focus on the suit first is Carting, you're thrown (laughs) – we talk about no seatbelts, right? You're thrown from the cart uh, or you kind of move with the cart. Um, You're not attached to the cart. So you're not really worried about that cart lighting on fire and you being trapped inside it. So what you're finding is that a cart suit is made more for abrasion resistance – versus a racing suit, which is nice and soft and made out of fire-resistant materials. Uh, The cart ones kind of feel plasticky, a little bit more plastically. But at the end of the day, they're more abrasion-resistant. I've already – I got a new suit uh, for karting just uh, maybe four weeks ago, and it already has a little bit of uh, my – on the back of my elbow where it rubs the engine. Uh, Cause that's where you are in carting. You are right next to that engine and it's rubbing right next to where the chains, uh, you know, chain guard is on a, uh, on a cart and it's already rubbed halfway through on, on that cart. So I'll have to have uh, that stitched up by my lovely wife, but uh, that's, yeah, they, that's what's going to happen is you're going to have that happen. And so you've got your suit, you've got your vest, um, as we talked about, that that vest and chest protector is re- protecting your your rib cage uh, for the most part. That's where it goes around. Um, it's for hits, but it's also for the G forces involved in carting. You know, when you hit a curb in a cart, it does not have a suspension. And a lot of people think, oh well, it, that makes it simple. A cart simple doesn't no. have a suspension. Well, the the chassis is the suspension. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, it, that's not simpler. That's more difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'd love to uh, talk uh, about, you know, the suspension of kartings a bit, but sticking to, you know, the safety gear first, you know, you've got your, your chest protector, you've got that neck protector, you've got your helmet, um, you have shoes. Um, you know, it's the same thing between the suit and the shoes. Uh, carts, yeah, you typically want a little bit of a firmer sole. Um, so they, they're a little bit harder to walk on than even, uh, car racing shoes, where car racing so- shoes are very soft soles. Uh, and you can kind of feel a little bit more in it. Is cart racing shoes do have less padding? However, they're stiffer um, at, at the arch, and so you're getting more feel through it, um, but it's also stiffer, um, so it reacts a little bit better on the pedals. And you know, in, in terms of safety equipment, that's that's really all we're talking about in carts. You know, the yeah, you've got no ha- hans, you've got no harnesses, um, you've got a plastic bumper about six inches deep between you and another cart. And I will say it hurts. I had an unfortunate moment this weekend, actually. Uh, It was a busy day. It was a nice day down here in North Carolina on a Sunday, and we probably had 30-some-odd carts coming out for Briggs practice, four-stroke practice. So they split out the two-strokes and the Mm -hmm. four-strokes, Uh, when we had a lot of carts out there, but we still had 30 some odd, you know, people coming out, you know, carts coming out of pit out and cart tires are far more heat reactive. And and how I say that is they need temperature uh, w- with a car. You've got a lot of weight to build heat into tires quickly, but a cart is only 150, 170 pounds plus however much you weigh. So um, adult, you know, you're typically looking at your classes or anywhere uh, between uh, 325 to 400 pounds is typically the class weights. Um, And that includes the cart, Uh, fuel, everything. That's everything across the scales with you in it. And so we've got these relatively big slicks compared to the, the weight on them. And so they are ice when you come out of pit out. And we had a nine-year-old kid that it was his first time out in his new cadet cart. And he spun at the front of this field. And I was working with a friend and in karting, just kind of like Spec Miata is drafting is very important. Uh, because there's no real arrow on these carts, your helmet's up in the big air, your your arms are outstretched catching air. Um, drafts are big in karting, and so we were working on some, going to work on some drafting. And on that warm up lap, you're trying to pour energy into the tires, so you're weaving back and forth. And my partner is right in front of me, and he jukes left, and I don't even think a for a second about it. As you know, we're trying to just warm up tires. And by the time I really realized what's going on, is he had juked out of the way to get out of the uh to narrowly miss this nine-year-old who had come to a stop right in front of me. And I crashed into him at only, I would, I would say only about 2025. 20, we were just coming out of pit out. And the people behind me said both carts went completely in the air uh, and it totaled that kid's cart. That was that kid's first time on his new to him cart. Oh, wow. And um, it completely destroyed that cart and did significant damage to my cart. And, you know, my body racked forward and bent the steering rack itself. uh, You know, the, um, the steering upright Mm -hmm. in a cart. Uh, it, bends it completely with the force of my body and they, they are made to bend a bit, uh, in these impacts, uh, to absorb a little bit of energy, but you're still talking about, you know, a, a, a steel column right. <laughs> that you are pushing against. And, you know, I was only traveling 20, 25 miles per hour and, uh, you know, it destroyed the kid's cart, um, put me in, uh, some serious pain, uh, this week. Um, but uh, that's all it took. He spun on the outlap and we got 30 carts behind him and people juke left and right and blind hit and it, it happens. And it's, it's unfortunate on both sides. You know, the, the kid was learning and we all make mistakes. And then, you know, it was unfortunate on my side. I, you know, I was directly behind somebody. I was not paying attention to see if anybody was losing. I was just trying to get our way through the pack of 30 cars so that we could really work on our drafting. And, uh, I almost consider that a rookie mistake, um, that I should know better at this point in time. But again, we all make these mistakes. Two
1: rookies. That poor kid should have been in the back of the pack in my opinion, but, uh, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's a good lesson for, you know, parents as well. And even, even, uh, not, not kids, you know, just somebody who's not uh, as experienced is sometimes you realize you, you put your kid or yourself in positions that aren't ideal. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they're perfectly fine. But all it took was him spinning on extremely cold tires and pit out. And that cost him a decent amount of money. Um, The kid luckily was perfectly fine. Um, He he won't be nearly as
1: sore as you are anyway. He's a kid. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I reached out. I didn't even realize, um, to be honest, it was a, a kid at the time. They don't really break out. Once you're out of kid cart, once you're out of, uh, seven years old, uh, you're out there with adults for practice. Okay, And so it, and because we're all in carts and there's a lot of, um, small adults as well you know, you don't really realize sometimes when it's a teenager or even a 9 year old out there and you know I thought it was just you know I I raised my hands luckily I didn't use any uh you know serious hand <laughs> signals but I was I was pretty angry at the time coming off that uh warm up lap cuz luckily I could drive my cart uh back to the pits um but then I realized uh you know a- as I pulled into the pits you know I I was like wait uh yeah, this is my friend's uh, – it was actually the family of uh, one of my friends that I, I cart with. And uh, it was uh, his, his cousin's son. And it uh, it took out his cart and uh, that ended their day. And, of course, then they have to pick up a new cart and relearn a new cart. So, yeah, it, it's not all sunshines and, and, and rainbows in cart races. Okay.
1: So, say – DJ, you just ran into my cart and I totaled it. How do I go pick a new cart?
0: Okay, so that's that's a great that's a great topic. Um I, I will tell you the wrong way first. Okay, that's because that's how I'll do it. Facebook so you go ahead and place. tell
1: me, and I'll try to avoid that one. <laughs>
0: Uh, so uh, new to cart racing, I went on Facebook marketplace and bought what I thought was a stellar deal on a cart and it was an older cart and it was an older motor and car racing. I will say when you first get started in HPD, you're typically taking a street car out there. And really what you have to worry about is tire pressures, making sure gas is in the car, and pretty much go you know there are there tires on the car it's good to go you can take a street car out in hpd and and go out there and be relatively reliable for 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 a while Uh, that's not the case with car racing Uh, you can't just take a something and and hope it'll work and i learned that the hard way is. One, it was an old chassis, which I didn't realize is cart chassis wear out because they use their chassis as a suspension is they wear out. So one, you're losing speed, um, which I did not realize at the time. But I also picked up what was called a a Rotax um, and it was a Rotax Evo and it was a two stroke water. uh, It was a two stroke non water cooled uh, motor and I'm sorry, it was water cooled and it requires maintenance. You have to clean the read. Uh, you know, you have to check the reed jets. Uh, you have to read flaps. You have to clean out the jets in the carb quite frequently. You have to pre-mix the oil. You have to watch your water temperatures all these things that I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. So what ended up happening was I'd be working on this cart at the track and not getting in laps and just not doing it well. And so I got frustrated and I threw, I bought a Briggs and I threw it on that cart thinking, okay, I'm getting I, you know, two strokes, a little too much for me at this point. I just don't know what I'm doing. And, uh, and, and, all my friends were running, you know, Briggs. So, you know, they didn't know a significant amount about, you know, two strokes. And, you know, I got it running enough, but it was just unreliable and it wasn't working well. So I bought a Briggs and put it on this old cart chassis. And man, I went to my first race and I was un- utterly uncompetitive. I was just at the back of the pack. And at that point, I'd been running the rental league for a little while. So I thought I understood karting a bit more. And my buddy allowed me to jump into his cart during a practice day. And so I literally went out of my cart into his cart and I jumped one and a half seconds in Mm -hmm. lap time. And it, it, it it was a brutal, you know, slap to the face of guess what, silly, you can't cheap out on motorsports, which, you know, that's that's the lesson we learned in (laughs) car racing. Yeah. Yeah. We know this DJ. (laughs) Yeah, we, we know this, but we still do every it every time. time. Yeah, um, <laughs> the uh, so yeah, where I am now, I went to a team, and what's pretty cool about cart racing is there's a all the for the most part, if you want a cart or cart parts, you're actually getting it either from online retailers or. Teams and there's a lot of teams. And so these teams are either distributors or builders. So you know, in the in track house area, we have a we're very luckily lucky to have a retail outlet, a brick and mortar store for cart sport, and they carry cart republic carts. Um, but you've got these distributors and teams. Um, that you almost kind of uh, akin to those motorsports teams at the professional level in car racing, except this is karting and they're a lot more approachable and a lot cheaper. And that's where you get your carts and your kart parts. So what I learned was most of these carts are very similar at the end of the day for pace what really matters is support and the initial setup because you can change so many parts on these carts to make the, you know, better or worse. A, a, an axle change, a caster change, a camber change. All these changes are very minute, but make massive differences in lap time. And Buying into one of these teams that's with your local track or, or where you will be racing or what series you will be in is just so important. So, you're really buying the support and the team and the speed more than the car. And so, if you're getting into the sport, I, I always highly suggest for showing up at the first couple races for wherever you plan to practice or race at and look. Who is there as a team aspect for their carts? Because guess what? You're going to need parts and you're going to need support. And those teams will get you up to speed so much faster. Even if you buy a lightly used cart that is the same brand as what those other teams are running, it's at least going to help you. But again, you are not going to be as competitive as a brand new cart. Um, And for that aspect, buying a one or two-year-old cart is probably your best bang for the buck. Buying a 10-year-old cart, 15-year-old cart is a bad yeah. idea. I have been down that <laughs> path.
1: <laughs> yeah, I probably could have told you that beforehand. But, you know, um, it's it's the same actually in the circle track world. The chassis wear out because they flex. And so uh, they start flexing too much and they stop turning as well. So it's, it's a delicate balance, but I didn't realize there were teams. Are there, are there like boutique chassis makers out there?
0: Yeah. So, um, you've got a couple big players that make, uh, most of the carts. So when you look out there, you're going to see tons of different names, um, out there, but, There's really only a couple big manufacturers you're talking about, CRG, Cart Republic, OTK. Uh, These are big manufacturers that actually run a couple different carts under the exact same cart, basically. So I have a Marinello cart, which is the same thing as a CRG cart. Um, it's just developed a little bit different, but it's the same basic chassis, same bumpers, same axle. Well, not necessarily the same axle. They can't change the axles. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's, it's, they're, they're very similar amongst each other. Um, and even all those top manufacturers, they've really in the past 20 years started to come to the same chassis designs. Uh, so there isn't necessarily a huge difference between them. You'll see, uh, you know, the boutique manufacturer is actually doing bigger things um, that are radically different than the norm. Uh, but if you go to national competition, you're going to see, you know, these big manufacturers, OTK, Sodi, um, and, and then you're going to see some boutique manufacturers such as, MGM and Coyote. These are American-made manufacturers. So MGM here is in, uh, is in North Carolina. Um, and so MGM is actually pretty strong down here. They're a very, very quick cart. I debated between MGM and Marinello myself, but why I decided on Marinello was one of my friends was running Marinello and the owner of Prodigy Motorsports, who carries Marinello, shows up and runs a lot of the same events that I want to run. And that's really what made the decision at the end of the day.
1: I mean, when they're getting out there and they're getting out there where you're going to be, it, it's kind of a no-brainer. It, it Even when you ran Spec Miata, the reason a lot of people like to run Spec Miata is because it's a big family that shares parts, right? Like you're never going to be that far away from a part you need. And so th- it could be similar for karting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you're going to be going through a lot of consumables in karting, um, even more. So you, you talk about late models and circle track racing as well. Um, yeah, there's the circle track carts almost as well. Um, you know, everything flexes and ages out and the cart gets worse at handling your wheels are aging out, um, at a significantly faster rate than a car. Your axles are wearing out. Uh, your seat is wearing out. Your seat is part of your suspension. Um, and you are part of the cart. Um, and so that's, you know, I, one of the things I'd like to cover real quick is, you know, talking about the driving aspect of these carts as well. Um, looking at it from somebody who wants to go cart racing, who's never driven, and then looking at somebody who's cart racing uh, and going to cars or even the opposite. Uh, I kind of made the opposite. I went car racing first and then I went to carts afterwards, um, almost backwards, but I, I will say cart racing is some of the best uh, tightest, form of motorsports that, that, that I've raced myself. Um, and I will say they are the learning, the attributes that make you fast in a cart are not necessarily what will make you fast in a car. And I read a fantastic article talking about the Mazda program and putting sim racers and cart racers into their mx5 cups and i'll, I'll present this question to Yukon. did you think the kart racers were faster or were the sim racers faster
1: I'm, I'm gonna go with the sim racers
0: so you'd be correct it was the simulation racers who actually had higher pace than the kart racers huh. You know, you're talking about kart racers who've been racing from five to, you know, fifteen years, sixteen years old when they're looking at these MX5 cups, and yet these sim racers who may have been only racing on a simulator for three, four, five years uh, are able to put in faster lap times than these carters. And you're going, well, how? And it, it makes sense at the end of the day because. Cart racing is very different than car racing. You've got a solid axle suspension back there. You are using the chassis as a suspension. so your approach to corners and is much different in a car than a cart. You know what I was blown away a concept that I was blown away by is in a cart on the entry of a corner you're supposed to be lifting wheels. And so what they call it is is jacking, is the cart is supposed to pick up that inside rear wheel to be able to get the cart to Mm -hmm. rotate because the cart doesn't have a differential. So if you try to turn with two locked rear tires, it's not going to want to turn. So the cart, as you turn and the caster and the flex of the suspension lifts up that inside corner wheel. It lifts it up and it lets the cart turn. And what that does is it makes your approach and your exit to a corner just so much different than a car. You know, we're, we've always learned and my fit, you know, somebody gave this to me actually recently, rainbows. Think of every car corner as a rainbow um, is is a good way to show it to your kids is we're so used to making that arc in a car Mm -hmm. because your acceleration zone is done through a differential. And so really when you're trying to put down power out of a corner onto the fastest straight, you know, you are trying to square it off a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're still turning a little bit you, you're you using that steering wheel a little bit and being on the throttle. Well, turning a steering wheel and being on the throttle in a cart is wasted energy because it's dragging. It's It's dragging the corner. You can actually sit in a cart and have somebody push you from behind and turn that steering wheel and you will almost come to a complete stop. Mm-hmm. And so you have to square off corners just so much more you have to get the cart rotated so much earlier than you would in a car, and you can't think of driving out of a corner with a cart like you can with a car and I struggle with that you know i that's something that I am working on actively is there is a corner at a track house that is the quintessential most important corner. Before the longest straight Um, and I can't get it right because I keep falling back to my traits in a car where I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll approach it with a little less entry speed and get a better drive out. Well, that doesn't work because what happens is I'm over slowing on entry and then I'm trying to get on the throttle while I'm still turning And letting the cart roll all the way out to the exit of the corner. And all it's doing is just not accelerating. Hmm. And I do that. And I realize I'm doing it and I still do it. (laughs) And that's just something that it, it, it made me aware how much karting is not car racing. You learn so much racecraft. You've got immense amount of right. Even the racecraft is different between karting and cars. You're using your bumpers a lot in karting. Yeah, you know, you're, you're you're squaring off people. You're you know you're nudging them. You're moving them out of the way. Um, yeah, you know, these are all things that, <laughs> as a ten top racer, is just so heinous. Is it, you know. If you're pushing me out of the way with your Civic Con mid-Corner, I'm gonna be pretty upset at you by the time we get back into the pits. But in karting, there's an art to it. It's you're you're not punting somebody, you're moving them. And that's there's a specific art to it. In fact, they had to come up with a specific device to try to help curb this. So on most of these competitive, what we call C.I.K. carts, so the carts that go left and yeah. right um, at these mo- at these tracks, is on the front bumper is the bumper has clamps, and it's providing friction on basically a slide on the front of these carts. If you hit somebody too hard, what's going to happen is your bumper is going to get pushed in. And that is a instant penalty for those drivers. So it's trying to help curb that. Now, whether it works all the time is up for debates forever on, you know, social right. media and the forums <laughs> and yeah, everyone you talk to. But it was an attempt because the amount of moving and physical driving and karting is just so much more than you would find in, in a car race. Um, you know, but I urge everyone to try every different type of motorsports. You know, I did autocross competitively for quite a number of years. I did road racing competitively. I've done karting. I'm trying to get better and be more competitive at kart racing, and every single one is fun in a different way. And um, hopefully, I can be competitive in a car and a kart this year, but we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah. Um, So I'm down a rabbit hole. Uh, this whole podcast thing is a very selfish endeavor of mine. Um, I just happen to share it with the world because um, I figured it's the only way I would get people to actually talk to me uh, is to have a platform. So I have one, but really everything's selfish and stuff. But So I've talked to, uh, at this point, by the time this one goes out, I'll have one that goes out that talks about dirt circle track racing and how it applies to road racing. Cause I talked to a guy who's one of a handful of people who've raced cars in all 50 States. And to do that, to attempt that challenge, he's had to rent circle track cars just to get it done. Um, so we'd had that conversation and then I had a conversation with another Madison motorsports member who races motorcycles just to see and he's done HPDES just to see how well one how to get into racing motorcycles and doing track days on motorcycles to help learn and educate people who want to do that but also if you already have a motorcycle like me and you want to go out there and what what can I learn what will I learn on the motorcycle that will impact me on the racetrack with my Honda challenge car so I've been sort of going down that rabbit hole. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's much that's gonna translate from what you're saying karting to the race car.
0: Well there there is. At the at the end of the day, you know, it's just like you jumping on, you know, Mario Kart is <laughs> there will be things you learn about racecraft and it helps with you know, your technical mind, thinking about how tires work. And so whenever I am, you know, I coached a lot for, you know, drivers back in NASA and I am attempting to coach in karting is what I would say to every single person trying to learn to get faster in any type of motorsports is to forget set up, forget the best, forget what others are doing at that moment. When you first get there, all I want you to learn is how does the tire and the steering wheel work under you? Because at the end of the day, all of these motorsports, there is one thing touching the ground, and that is the tires, And if you can't feel where the grip is in a tire, then you are just driving to a track. You are driving to a setup. You're driving to a car that isn't – it may make you fast at one track. It may make you fast in one car. It will never make you a fast driver. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you see the greats, you know, F1 drivers, you know, the – rally rally drivers all of them have such an immense feel for what the car is doing and they can tell you what the car is doing is through those tires and so whether it's kart racing whether it's sim racing whether it's dirt track whether whether it's rally is you're getting a sense of feeling for that tire and what i call grip you know grip is such a, a terrible nomenclature but you're trying to get what you feel out of that tire and where the tire is happy. And that might, it it takes a long time and, you know, different cars and different tires and everything will all be different. But once you start to get that feel, then really what you're learning is how do I get to that best feeling? And then you can start doing setup changes because then you're going to say, oh, that setup makes the tire feel really good and it's working. And then when you jump into a different car, it's not, oh, I have to hit this marker and turn in here and do this. Is instead you jump into the car, go run a couple hot laps, and you go, okay, here's where the tire is happy. And you start driving more and more towards where the tire is happy. And yeah, that's, I, I, I hate to self promote, but one of the things I've always been told is I'm a very quick track learner and car learner. And that's because I really just, I'm driving to the tire. I'm not driving to the track. And I have so much to learn. I have, You know, I need to be a lot better in, in, in karting and in car racing. And I have so much to learn as well. But I, I do come up to speed in these cars, you know, in these motorsports quickly, just simply because I'm driving to that grip level. And I at least have a basis to get started uh, before somebody who's just used to a certain car setup.
1: Okay. I'm yeah, I, I think I make changes at least to my car, but well, one, I know when my front tires hate me. I mean, it's a front wheel drive McPherson truck car. So it, they, <laughs> they scream early. So making changes to not have them scream is where I was aiming for. And that's what I, that's where I found it to feel the best. The whole car feels better that way. So, um,
0: yeah. I mean, you're working on it every time you get it out there, you're getting a better feel for the car and the tires, but you know, use, you know, I, I would say if, if you could, you know, con we've known each other a long time. So I'll say this <laughs> to you personally is, is, get out there and, and try to not necessarily go fast, But go just drive, get into a rhythm, get the feel of the car. And I always tell people whether you're in your practice laps, you know, out there or your qualifying lap or a race, you know, push, never go out there and just run under your tires limit. If you're running under the limit, you're never learning where the grip level is. The car, a car that is perfect at ninety-five percent pace, could be atrocious at a hundred percent pace. I, and you're never going to know that unless you're pushing. I, it right.
1: I completely agree with you. My literal, my asterisk mark to that is: if you're scrubbing in a fresh <laughs> set of tires, don't do that. But it—it's a mantra um, that every time you go out, you have to have something to work on you're not this is not we're racing we're not going out to do parade laps this is not hpde like this not we're not taking a break we have to get out there and push every single lap and we have to find our weakness the car's weakness the combination between the car and ourselves where we're terrible together you know uh, and then figure out how to get around that. And you're only going to find that is when you're pushing the edges, you know, so.
0: I know, you know, I've known guys that have gone pro and just focused on running good, consistent laps. And yeah, that's, uh, they jump into a cart that's the, you know, a car or a vehicle setup that is not what they're used to. And they struggle because mm-hmm. all they've learned was drive to a pre-described set of circumstances, and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't help them out as they're going. You know, I, you, know, with Honda Challenge, you you've been a, a Honda driver, but you've also changed, you know, significant chassis changes. Um, you know, as you moved from an older platform to a newer platform, and yeah, you know, that's that introduces some nuances, and I'm I'm sure. You, as a as a tinker i think you're actually uh, uh on a higher level of tinkerer than me you love to change setups you love to see see what works or not and i like to come home and and, and tinker and i i think setup changes are are your forte
1: oh uh, yeah i've been accused of always having another setup change um it i do it methodically so it's one change at a time uh, it's comparable to data, those types of things. So, um, and, but uh, the accusations aren't exactly accurate because I, we race in the Mid-Atlantic region and I don't make a change between VIR and Summit because I want the data to be validated at both tracks that we primarily run at because of the differences in corners. So as long as the data provides the same increase in speed, then I can, then I'm okay with the change. But if it works at one and doesn't work at the other, I'll try to find a better way to make the change. So was just something I do, but.
0: Well, you know, the cool thing about, you know, karting is that it's at such a more accessible level, and you know, I'll offer this to you. And I've offered this to a lot of my friends is when they come down, is go take it out. You know, what's really cool about karting is yes, you you can mess up chassis pretty quickly. But if you go to your local track and you get, you know, a two, three-year-old chassis for $1,500, fifteen hundred two grand, throw a briggs motor on for six hundred bucks, that and your entry fees are going to be the most expensive thing until you try to win. Right. Right. Okay.
1: So let's <laughs> and- let's talk finances a little bit, though. So you said the entry, primarily, you want like a one or two year old chassis. But what's an what's a good range to look for a price in your chassis?
0: So I would all. Uh, as I spoke to before you you want to stay away from 10 15 year old chassis that are a thousand you know bucks and and below you know they may seem really tempting but another 500 to 1000, dollars yes, I know that's double the cost but will get you into a cart that is going to be consistent and something you can work with going forward. The yeah, so really, you know, if you're looking at a four strokes or Briggs LO two hundred six type chassis, you can find them all day long on Facebook Marketplace with motors on them and ready to go for twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred dollars for a good consistent cart. And why I say to buy one with a motor already on it is it just simplifies things as. A rookie, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know about chain tension, about how to, how, how to keep chain tension on these. Because there is no tensioner as we would have in a car. It doesn't auto tension. You have to set the tension. Uh, you know The location of your axle is fixed, so you're moving your motor. Um, and it's not just fixed front and back. But also that sprocket can slide on the axle or the axle can slide itself in the housing laterally. So you can lose that chain tension. So if you start with a setup that's run, been consistent, and again, stick with a cart that you see multiple people running at the track. And and go to a couple races because one race may have an, an abnormal turnout. Go to a couple See what's out there, see what's running pretty good, and approach a couple people. Most of these people who have are racing carts have three or four carts. I currently have four carts and I'm just oh, getting Lord. into it. Now I do have you know two carts for my kids, right. but I have two carts myself and I'm just getting into it. So you know a lot of these guys that have been racing for years have a chassis that's two, three years old. And they're willing to sell a heavy discount. That chassis is four to five grand new, and you know the motor and getting it set up and everything is another fifteen hundred to two grand. You know at the Briggs level, and you can find that all day for twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred dollars for something that's one, two, three years old, and it will be competitive. It's really that last two tenths, which is a lot in carting. Um, but you could be well mid pack with a cart that is twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred bucks, as long as you can drive. That's where you can. And then when you're getting started before your first race day, you know, let yourself go do some practice. All these tracks that are outdoors typically have practice days. You know, if you're lucky enough to live. Um, you know, in in Ohio or North Carolina or Florida, you know, you've got a couple options. If you're in somewhere like Virginia, you're a little bit more restricted. Um, you'll have to travel a little bit. Um, I know in Washington, DC, you, you have to travel, you know, about an hour North to, to hit a good outdoor track out there, uh, that'll let you run an owner cart. Um, and it's called owner Mm -hmm. cart. Uh, but it's, it's relatively cheap. So track house is, uh, about 50 bucks during the week to run all day. That's the hours are typically, you know, 10 to seven o'clock at night. Uh, trust me, you won't be able to run that long, but, uh, you, what's cool is, is you can take as long as you want is if you're going to be all, if you took the day off work, You can just do a setup change and lounge around for 30 minutes and then jump out on a session and then come back and take your time. You're really at the end of the day when you get started, you're going to get maybe 30 minutes of track time before you are completely smoked and useless in that car. Um, And that's being generous. So yeah, listen to your body, let it recover. Uh, And if you're at one of these good facilities, track house has an entire garbage can and not not can but a full dumpster of used tires. So what happens is a lot of these racers will run the tires for one day or oddly if they you know have a practice and then qualifying they they might throw out something with only two heat cycles on them and throw them in the dumpster. And that dumpster is open for people to grab and use as practice tires. Uh, don't be afraid to go jump in and get a couple. And it, as with anything, don't don't put a setup on a cart based off of used tires, especially unknown used tires. But if you're just out there to learn the sport and to go have fun, you can run on free tires for as long as you want. And they, t- the tools to mount these tires. You can be as simple as a $90 scissor tool or get really fancy with a $300 manual tool. And then, you know, you have some teams that have these, you know, actual tire machines, but really you don't see that that often. I use a $300 manual thing that I can literally pop off and change a set of of four tires in probably eight minutes, 10 minutes. Um and that's you know undoing the bead locks and unmounting the old tires and popping the new ones on so it's a lot friendlier for mounting cost than you know the tires you would have in a car And if you're in a class like Briggs your consumables are so 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 low um the the amount that you're going through brake pads is just i mean i I can't tell you what the brake Pad depth is on my cart and I could easily tell you that on my race car, yeah, you know, because you have to watch it. Uh, but on my Briggs, I mean, I'll probably put on a new set of pads, you know, uh, probably every two seasons. Um, and, you know, it obviously depends on how much you're running and fuel cost uh, on a Briggs, you're running 87 fuel and You can run gas station fuel that is ethanol free. Um, But a lot, if you're going racing, they do dye the fuel. So if you're going racing, use the fuel at the track. And it is a bit more expensive at the track, but you're really not using much. A full day of practice, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you're probably going through about half a gallon to maybe three quarters of a gallon Mm -hmm. of fuel as a beginner in a day. Um, So you're not using much fuel. And even when you go racing, you might use a gallon of fuel, um, you know, by the end of the day, you're really not using much fuel um, in these carts. Uh, Now the two strokes are much more, you know, since they make more power, they're very much hungrier and, you can get stuck with something like a uh, X30 or KA that could run on, can run on a premium fuel at 93, 95, 98. Um, but the track only, you know, a track house, you have the options of either 87 or 110. And that 110 is $13 a yeah. gallon. Um, and you burn through it pretty <laughs> quickly. Uh, not like a yeah. car, but you, know, you, you got through pretty quickly. So, Yeah, that's that's why I always suggest kind of yeah getting started. Go do a brakes, and if you buy a two three year old cart for twenty five hundred bucks, if you buy a good example for twenty five hundred bucks, and you run that for two seasons and sell it for fifteen hundred to two grand, that's really yeah, that's so cheap to go racing. If you think of most forms of motorsports, (laughs) that's the cheapest way to go, and even just yeah. You'll spend – if you've looked up the cost of video graphic cards lately, you're going to spend that much on a graphic card um, for a computer to go sim racing. Um, What's the – Yeah, it's for the cost of owning a cart for two years. So um, it can be done cheaply, and you will be a solid mid-packer even with one of those carts if you can learn to drive. Now, once you're ready to take the next step and – you know, get into a brand new cart and have a good setup, you you can spend that money. Um, I, you know, I'll go ahead and and be, you know, transparent. I spent uh, about $6,300 on my Briggs cart. You know, by the time I got a new chassis, got all new, you know, fuel line hoses, uh, wheels, a new Briggs motor, and I had it gone through by Stuart. Um, Stuart is our local, uh, engine builder. He's known for his white, uh, uh, covers on the motors. Um, but he will go through, he will buy a brand new motor, run it through on the dyno, go through any little tricks that he can run it on the dyno again and set your cart up. And I think even with the GoPro, uh, muffler, which is a little bit more than most standard tracks, I was out the door for 1400 for a motor package, uh, you know, brand new, that long block, everything that he went through his magic as well. Um, and so I spend a little bit more because I have gotten to the point where, you know, I can afford something a little bit nicer. And so I don't want to be working on an unknown chassis, but that is to say that, I got spoiled with car racing. And so that seems cheap to me. Oh, yeah.
1: It's not that bad. Um, my thing was you talked about digging through the dumpster for tires. What's a new set cost, DJ?
0: That is also uh, a, a great thing about cart racing. So a brand new set of adult MG Reds, which is what you use uh, for most classes um, at TrackHouse, a brand new set is $224. So
1: four tires for $224. Four tires. That's cheaper than one coil 4 toy tires
0: the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and th- they're a harder tire. Um, so you could run them a very long time. There's people that use them for four or five races. Really, if you want to be winning in these ultra competitive classes, you're going to be buying a set, Yo. Know, either once a weekend, if it's a long event or you'll, or if it's a short event, you'll, you can use that for two set for two weekends, race pace, and then relegate it to practice duty. Um, but the relative cost compared to car racing is just, you know, I, I dread buying my first set of users this year for my race car, because that's 10 sets of brand new tires for my cart. Um, and it just it makes you, you know, question, <laughs> question yourself yeah. and, and what you're doing. Uh, but we wouldn't be in motorsports if we were the uh, best at budgeting. Oh, no,
1: I, I'm good um, at budgeting, but, yeah, but I'm also good at
0: making sure every dime is used. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, it if you want to have fun, it's going to cost money it's just if that's what you want to spend money some people go on vacation some people buy fancy new porsches and some people buy new tires for the race cars <laughs> and that's uh yeah that that it's great having that choice you know we we can do what we want and uh so yeah that's yeah the tires are much cheaper but yeah, as I said, you, you could run those MG Reds for a very long time if you wanted to. And and Vega is different. And what's kind of cool is some of, you know, if we get back to the cost of running a cart, some of the entry fees actually include a set of tires in their entry fees. So uh, a, a recent, uh, you know, how we have NASA and we have SCCA... Uh, CKNA has really come up recently for the Briggs class, the four stroke mm-hmm. class, and they're very popular and they have a spring nationals coming up here at Charlotte. So it's already sold out, already sold out in most classes. And they have a clap cap of 50 in masters and I believe 80 in senior classes. And can you imagine 80 carts starting at no. the same time? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, every single one of these classes is basically sold out aside from Cape Cart, um, which it's just, you know, that's five to eight years old. So you're not going to get as many in there, but, um, yeah, their, their entry fee is basically inclusive of tires. And so you're spending, Five hundred for practice on Friday. You know, a bunch of practices on Friday. You got to practice Saturday morning. You got qualifying uh, races. Uh, you've got qualifying. You've got heat races and a race on Saturday. Then you have races on Sunday as well. Um, and that's all for five hundred dollars, including a set of tires. So that's a lot of good track time and a lot of good racing for for the bang for the buck. Yeah, that
1: that sounds like it's a great deal in the long run.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a national event con that that's not a local track. So I just signed up for in February, our local track house has what's called a karting challenge. And they have, uh, I believe 10 events through, you know, 10 race weekends through the year. And for a practice, a qualifying a heat race and then the final race. Uh, the entry fee was eighty dollars, and that's it. And then you know they don't include tires as, as part of their package because it's not a national. Um, but you know it's it's eighty bucks. You know you go you go to the movies. You know with your significant other, that's going to be eighty bucks right there. So it's you know if you look at it from buying a two three year old chassis you know, and running tires for, you know, three, four weekends, uh, as long as you don't want to be first placed every time, you, know, you you can really be a solid mid-pack with a, a very minimal budget and have a lot of fun out there.
1: Sounds awesome. You're a salesman, DJ. You should, uh,
0: somebody should give you a commission. <laughs> well, One of the things I've always been told is uh, I I'm very forward and passionate about, uh, motorsports. I just love motorsports and I could talk, talk forever about motorsports and cars. I just, I love it. And I hope other people have this passion as well. Cause why else are we here on earth if not to enjoy ourselves? And if we're going to be so spend all our time and effort into a hobby, you might as well be passionate and love it. And, uh, so I, I hope that comes across to other people and not just being loud. <laughs> but I have been called loud. So I, I you know I, I will accept that and understand that it's my passion.
1: Awesome. Um Jess Fitzpatrick, you are a saint because you have three children. That's what I'm gonna say right there. Um putting up with DJ yes. and the boys. <laughs> um yeah, and and being so supportive. So uh, you and I are both fortunate to have Absolutely. supportive
0: spouses. So, um. and it's a very it's very family oriented. When you can go to what I really like is if you go into and this is car racing as well, um, but even more with kart racing is you go to these tracks and it's family teams because typically you've got the younger kid that's racing and then the dad's racing and then maybe even the the grandfather is is racing as well you know there are 56 year old drivers i don't know how they do it because um i'm 36 and i feel like i'm falling apart in a cart but they do it (laughs) they're used to it (laughs) and and but they're all there to support each other and they're all there to have fun together and so it's it's so amazing that I can go do a sport with my child where I'm an active participant and he needs me to be involved as well. So it's not like you're sitting on there yelling at your kid from the sidelines and, you know, basketball, you know, you're, you're there, you're, you're working on their cart. They're asking you questions. You know, you're asking them questions. You're probing them, figuring out what's going on with the cart. So you develop a deeper bond as a family out there. And I'm very lucky to have my wife who's just so supportive of it and absolutely loves doing all of these motorsports with us. And uh, I will forever remember these weekends that I'm spending with my son. And I, I've told him, I've been straight up with him the moment you stop having fun, we're not going to do this. And as long as you keep that in mind that it, it's for fun and it's for spending time with, with your kids or spending time with yourself and you're supposed to be having fun because that's why you're spending money, you know, that's as long as you keep it to that, you, you're gonna create great weekends and great memories and you know, people talk about you know cars as you know fleeting and, and money is fleeting. Well memories last forever and you're creating memories doing these things so you know, it's worth every penny.
1: I, I can't agree more. It's that's, that is the key. Create those memories because they will last much, much longer than anything we have in the house. You know, we, we joke in the race car world, the car is replaceable. It's absolutely replaceable. Uh, you're not replaceable, but the other thing that's not replaceable is your friendships, your family, and the time you spend together with them. That's that's what we live for. That's what we work hard for Monday through Friday. So we have the expendable income. We have the time, um, and we can go and make memories with our family and friends. Yeah. So.
0: Well, whether it's whether it's NASA racing, which I absolutely love, and suggest with anybody with a love of of cars, get NASA racing or or go kart racing. You know, it's either one is just such a great exploration. If you don't do it now, you know, when are you going to have time to do it? You got to do it. You know now you got to live while you can live.
1: Absolutely. DJ, thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, I'm sure we'll talk later because you still have a crazy GTS build um that we need to talk about maybe just gts in general because i haven't covered it as a class so i need to highlight it i don't know if you have a couple gts buddies you want to have invited on and you can explain gts and all the gnarly things you guys can do as builders to german cars but um yeah that's a, in the future
0: yeah right. but- Oh, a hundred percent. We're I, I think uh I, I tend to blow some people's brains when I, I say I'm putting an automatic in, in my race car. So um that that that's always a fun discussion. All right. Well, you
1: have a good evening, man. I really appreciate the time.
0: Uh thank you for having me on. And it if anyone has any questions, again, I said I'm so passionate about this, you know. Obviously reach out to Khan, but you know, re reach out to me as as well. Um, reach out to your local you know, people that race. Uh, everybody wants you in bigger fields or more fun for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Until next
1: time, keep working on yourself, keep working on the car, and let's
0: get faster.